Wow. Hey, so it's awesome to have y'all on. Uh, great to be here. Yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, I, I've listened to uh, Root Simple for a super long time, and it and it was like definitely like I was like, oh, I those are people I kind of know and stuff, and like they're doing a podcast, so it's cool to have. I don't know. It's like, yeah, like <laughs> I don't know. The, the, like the, the you guys feeling, made it. Yeah, the feeling's mutual. I've been enjoying opposable thumbs too. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you guys have such an interesting. Whoa, well, we should start because I, I we have questions for you guys. Uh-huh. <laughs> Welcome to the Opposable Thumbs podcast. Opposable Thumbs is a podcast where Taylor and Rob tackle a new creative challenge every two weeks, and we talk about our accomplishments, failures, and lessons learned. The Root Simple podcast duo, Eric Knutson and Kelly Coyne, are our guests this week. Welcome, Eric and Kelly. Hello, Rob and Taylor. Yeah, thank yes. you for having us on. Woo! Yeah. I've done a, done a four before. Pretty yeah, exciting. this is cool. This is cool. We need a safe word or something. Um, my name is Chocolate. Rob Ray. Chocolate. Chocolate. Chocolate's our safe word. My name is Rob Ray. <laughs> I use the he, his gender pronoun. Uh, I run the very small exoskeleton art space in Los Angeles and host and frequent art openings and events. And I'm an experienced director at an interactive agency here in Los Angeles. And I'm Taylor Hokinson. I'm based in Chicago. I'm an artist and Educator, DIY engineer, and noted tall person. Uh, I'm a he, his kind of guy. Well, we're both tall people, too. So this is Eric oh, Hudson. Nice. Yeah, so got a club I'm here. I'm way going. outnumbered. Well, you know, my this is a little on a side, but my parents met in a club for tall people, but we can <laughs> talk about that What was the time. name of the club again? It was called the uh, Tip Toppers. <laughs> not, oh. not to be confused with the Mile High Club of Denver, but, you know, yes. anyways. Uh, tall so drink of water would be a good bar for tall people. <laughs> so, so, well, well, what, what are you guys ringing in at? Let's do stats real quick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All wise. There, while we're at it, I'm six two, Kelly. I'm a mere five ten. Yeah, five ten. That is decent. Mm. My, uh, my mom <laughs> is five ten. Um, I think of that as sort of a minimum height for people. Although my wife's only like five three. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> well, I, I understand that because I think I'm normal height, and people who are taller yes. than me are tall. People who are shorter than me are short. Like I'm the standard by which all things are judged. You're in the club, dude. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Taylor, how tall are you? Six four. Six four. Um, as uh, who's the? Uh, I'm forgetting the actor's name, but there's somebody who always refers. He's six five, and he refers to himself as circus tall. So I think I'm just. <laughs> Just at the edge of circus tall. Yeah. I'm only five nine and a half. <laughs> that half counts, yeah. darn it. You do have very pointy hair, though. I have pointy hair. That helps, yeah. yeah. I don't notice that Taylor is tall. We're, we're both huggers. We're from the Midwest, and so we, we hug. <laughs> <laughs> and I notice that Taylor is very tall when, it, when he hugs me because he has to like really stoop over to hug me. And yeah. I was like, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> When I was teaching, or rather, when I was working a terrible job in the Midwest, I was walking around in an undershirt because I didn't know any better at work. And this um, <laughs> young woman who's very short and wearing sort of the, the caked on classic Midwestern makeup, she was walking in front of me, but then forgot something and turned around and did this face plant right in my chest and left behind this sort of shroud of Turin um, <laughs> <laughs> pancake makeup. I, I wish I had a picture of that. <laughs> But we interrupted you guys on your, or we, I interrupted you guys. Uh, so please uh, finish off your self-introductions. Well, so Eric Newton and uh, Kelly Coyne here, and we are Root Simple, which is a blog and podcast and publishing empire. 
Is that correct, <laughs> Kelly? Oh yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So how to, how to stuff, how to low tech home tech, as we like to say. Well, the first thing I'm noticing because I, I have a little catching up to do, given that you're on episode 105. Do I have that right? That's right. What uh, episode 105? And are you measuring these like hotel guest rooms where it's actually just the fifth episode, or is it literally? Is it really 105 episodes? Because we're, we're really excited that we're on 10 right now. Well, that's mm-hmm. good. You made it past the critical three, so that means you're going to mm. keep going. But, yeah, no, no, it's, <laughs> that's, those are accurately measured podcasts. Yeah, I don't know how it happens. It just They just add up. They add up yeah. somehow. So, I, Eric, we met, as I remember this, in Wendover, Utah. That is correct. Yeah, it was at the Center for Land Use Interpretations Residence mm-hmm. Center, but we were not residents at the time. Somehow we had just converged there at the same time. Well, if I remember correctly, you were welding a, a very impressive tower there. Yeah, Deborah Stratman and I were there. Exactly. Yep, 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 doing that. And the tower is still up and up and going, which is great. Went over as like a, a proving ground for art. I may be getting this wrong, but you were definitely a cohort in this action. There was the many. There were many targets uh, because the target. Oh, the target museum. Oh, the target museum. Oh, the target museum. Mm-hmm. Right. That's right. Steve Rowell and I. Yep. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Steve Rowell. That's right. That's right. Yep. That's who it was. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. And it was. And the targets were so amazing, um, because I remember the ones that I thought were so just. I mean, there were many that were great, like. This is kind of tragic, but, you know, like Saddam Hussein and like different kind of infamous characters <laughs> right. that you, you know, people want to shoot, which is horrible and weird, but interesting. <laughs> um, but then there was these targets that were like police test targets <laughs> yeah. and they were meant to make you kind of second guess yourself. So like you could there was like a paper VCR <laughs> and like other things mm-hmm. and you could you could make it like the person who has like the ski mask, but they're, they're not holding a gun. They're holding a VCR. And so like, you're not supposed to shoot them because they're not armed. But then like there was a pregnant woman. And so like you could give her something to put in her hand and it's like, well, you would maybe wouldn't be inclined to shoot a pregnant woman, but if she had like a, a Mac 10, then you should, you know, like it was this really interesting, like how do you create these sort of unexpected uh, target scenarios. Anyway, that I that like is burned in my brain so much because I was just like, who are these <laughs> these people who have this tube full of really interesting target images? And then it, now, it, of course, it all makes sense many years later. But yeah, you know what's funny about that is, well, Matt Coolidge, who runs the center, kind of commissioned Steve and I to put together a target museum because that particular hangar is near a, a, a an old World War II vintage uh, target range. So his idea is we should have a target museum. And the funny thing about all those targets is that I'd like to say that I curated them. However, I just ordered the sampler pack, which literally came (laughs) with all of those, including there's one that's, I can't remember the name of it, but it's kind of a classic one from the 1950s. It's still printed over and over and over again. It has a name and it's just sort of hairy dude. You know, but yeah, then there's the other ones with the add-on, like yeah, you could add a screwdriver or a VCR, right, or a gun. Is so, this a literal? Yeah. Is the addition the actual object or an image of the object? It was a it was a, a tape-on flat, you know, VCR yeah. or gun, right? 
So they were great. There was another one of someone behind a couch, like a really crappy 70s plaid couch. I remember that yep. one. It was a good one. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's like, oh, they're behind something. But they just have a VCR. Like, <laughs> exactly. You can't, shoot, you can't shoot the burglar who's just committing, like, breaking and entering. You know, but if they have a gun, then you're supposed to. I don't know. It was really, I don't know. It seems like. Oh, oh was that the intention? The VCR wasn't random. It was to indicate somebody who had just burgled a place. Yeah, but not not armed. Oh, so you had to, like, make the call, like, oh, they're not armed. So I can't, I'm not supposed to shoot. Like, you don't get points for shooting the armed person, which these yeah. days doesn't seem to fly very much. <laughs> <laughs> the other, I don't know if this is breaking a confidence, but uh, that. That whole thing almost ended up in the Whitney Museum because some curator oh, wow. from the Whitney came through. And um, I think Matt wisely said, no, we've got some other stuff. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. It seems like it, out of context it wouldn't really work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it had to be It had to be there out in the middle, which is a really extraordinary place. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Anyway, sorry, I just... It's funny, to, like, when you... It's just like, you know, when you first meet someone, you don't really... So many times it's just at a party or something, but for you, I was just like, whoa, what is going on? So anyway. The, the feeling's like, mutual, actually, because I remember <laughs> that tower came down and you guys were welding it back together, like, immediately. It which really yeah. impressed me. Because, yeah. uh, you know, that, the, the, like, comp, the, the, the commitment to it was really, yeah. really impressive. Reckless, reckless commitment. Yep. <laughs> these, oh, yeah, these... Rob, I want to give a quick shout-out to Macedonia, which I think is our... Uh, largest listening group outside the primarily English as a first language world. Wow. Uh, Macedonians, hit us up. Hello, Macedonia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hello. <laughs> That's funny. Wow. Um, yeah, we just hit, sorry, before we dive in, we just hit, we're almost at 2,000 downloads, which... 3,000, my brother. Oh, 3,000, wow. yeah, thanks. Which, not not per episode, just just in total. Congratulations. <laughs> But yeah, that's pretty nice. Yeah, I don't know. I'm feeling good about that. Um, Reb, that's one thing you taught me when you were running the Dead Tech Gallery, is you would have you would sit open hours at the gallery, and if you talked to one person, you would just talk to him for eight hours if they stayed there. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, I was always really impressed that you would just think like, oh, I had a really good singular conversation today. Yeah, <laughs> I've, tried to, I've tried to keep that with me. The expectations. Yeah. So when I th- I think when I first met you both, I knew a book I believe you both worked on called is it am I, am I I'm not messing this up right homegrown evolution the urban homestead the urban homestead yes right? yes oh yeah yeah and and then I knew the blog and then I was just like it is an empire like because then your podcast <laughs> it's such came a out. small empire <laughs> and I was just curious how I mean it's super infectious like what you how you both have found um, truly like a like a DIY means of embracing sort of life approaches and also people that you love to hang out with and and like like your lives feel very legible and inspiring, but through but not through like a a TV show or something like that, you know, like, like, like just through the, the means that you found successful for yourselves, like making a book or having a blog or making your own podcast. And I was just curious how, if, if that was something like, did you sort of have like a connection to DIY 
culture before you you both started doing these endeavors or is, and and this was sort of an extension of that or did you start with the book or the blog and just sort it started rolling from there i was just kind of curious about like historically how how you sort of fell into sort of paving paving is maybe not not a good <laughs> word for uh, for uh deep uh, paving yes deep paving your own way exactly yeah yeah in through the, through this kind of world well i think we've both always done lots of diy stuff and at a certain point i realized uh that i could put it all together on a blog oh that was survive la so yeah it was kind of like finding a unified field theory of all the crazy things that we like to do which by the way is actually if you go to the la central library it's all on lower level two that's always where we are at lower Eric level there. two yeah <laughs> kelly often too Although Kelly's, that might have been the, yep. the last I, I, time I, I saw you, Eric, was in front of the library. <laughs> that's not that's funny. <laughs> that's likely. That's, Very likely. Yeah. 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 Wow. There's a kind lower of lower level two. Yeah, lower right. level two. That's where I always am, which is where all the sort of how-to books, gardening, uh, woodworking, some science is down there, cooking, that kind of stuff, and that's that kind of sums up. A lot of Kelly and our mutual interests. I think it goes way back. I mean, I think especially for Eric. Um, Eric lost his mother this year, very sadly. Um, mm. She was 92. And she was an extremely crafty lady. And so she um, she did everything. I mean, it's like <laughs> we're sorting through our house now. <laughs> like 60 years oh. of DIY materials <laughs> all packed in there. Um, but yeah. I think he inherited that from her. You know, I think he grew up doing things with her. I didn't come from a crafty family. I had to find that myself. But mm -hmm. I can certainly see a trajectory from young Eric. Uh, you know, your mom had you gardening, growing carrots in the backyard. You were building things. Yeah. You were doing your own little radio shows with your with your cassette tapes. Yeah, just wow. like yeah. I mean, it's it's a real direct line. You know, Kelly, have case. you have you heard those? I have not. Oh, I dang! Have not have heard Take about them. Are we talking about real to real or? Oh, no. yes. Oh, Did no, you have a real? A, yes, oh. I, did not real to real. <laughs> I yeah. thought, you know, every at, at that from at our age, uh, every every kid had went through a period of fascination with like the cassette recorder. I remember playing with our yeah. cassette yeah. recorder endlessly yeah, doing the chipmunk thing. Yeah. Sure. Um, but you had a real to real. Oh, yes. Yes. But you can do effects on it. I think I had two real to reels at one point. You could feed one tape through to the other and do a poor uh, man's delay. Right. Uh huh. Um, wow, you were like yeah. your very own throbbing gristle or something. <laughs> Miniature dubstep. <laughs> yeah. Culver City's oh, no. throbbing gristle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which doesn't throb same, a lot. At the same time, <laughs> Kelly, I want to hear about, as a, as a fellow person who did not, I mean, my dad was very crafty, although I didn't grow up with him, um, and so I had to find it too. So, Kelly, did you have a transformative moment? How did you get there if you weren't farming carrots as a two-year-old and so on? You know, I have to say I'm, I'm going to backpedal that because I just realized I, um, uh, uh, my dad was a, was a maker. You know, he, he yeah. liked to do home, uh, home improvement. He was always pounding on something and adding something onto something else. <laughs> Beer in one hand, hammer in the other. <laughs> um, but I wasn't encouraged to do stuff. And my mom certainly is more of the retail um, sort of mindset. So um, so I often forget about dad, but I think he probably set um, set a, uh, an example for me. And then I had like the, the grandparents out of the Depression era, 
and they, I, I think that generation really helps all of us um, of, of this age. If you grew up with like a depression era grandparent, um, or Eric's mom was an older mom, so she sort of bridged that as well. You, you know, they have that, you know, keep it, fix it, make do, do it yourself. Like that was very much an ethos um, that the baby boom generation did not have. That most mom, my parents were, were boomers, so um, I learned from them too. So I, I don't. There was not a great um, conversion moment by any means. I was always I, I was kind of a I like to draw and make things all the time from the time I was little. And I think, uh, yeah, it just, I think it caught on fire when we moved into our own house and we, for the first time, had a place to do things. You know, you can't do much. You know, we we always tried, especially early on, um, to focus some of our writing and our stuff on, on apartment, you know, stuff you can do when you're in an apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but things really took fire when we had our, our own little crack house that we could do anything we wanted with, you know, and land. Um, and, you know, we had to, also you have to learn a lot really fast, too. Like, oh, I got a yard full of weeds. What do I plant? What do I do? How do you start a garden? You know, I don't know. We'd been, you know, baking bread and stuff at home in our apartment. But in the house was a whole, like, it was a whole level up. Can I go out on a limb and guess that? The crack house thing wasn't just a turn of phrase. <laughs> it was pretty close to a crack house. Yeah, yeah. What was the what, what's an example of the of what would lead you to describe that house as a crack house? Well, it was more a house with cracks. Well, it was full of cracks. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> cracks everywhere. Ooh, uh, and uh, <laughs> tip uh, your waitress. <laughs> foundation crumbling. Uh, it had been kind of abandoned for a long time before we moved in. So there were, you know, I, I remember the first time I peeked in the windows, I saw a lizard crawling across the floor inside, which I thought it was a good omen. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Life. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor, how did you, how did, how, how did, how did you get into making things? I was going to ask you the same thing, but uh, I, I think, um, Man, I don't know. We talked in a previous episode about making napalm from the, <laughs> the Anarchist Cookbook in a really dangerous way. <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's... like, I mean, I was part of a group that was really imaginative, and so we were doing the whole Dungeons & Dragons thing and all that stuff, um, and Renaissance fairs. Uh, <laughs> actually, that might be the place where it got started, like making, in retrospect, you know, pre-cosplay... Um, buy a hank of fabric and drape it on your shoulder like a toga and then think of yourself as costumed. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's I definitely struggled for a long time without really having any sort of people to talk to about that and then also never having discovered the library uh, like Eric and Kelly had. <laughs> I really had to wait till the internet showed up before I, before I blossomed, Rob. I don't know. What about you? <laughs> I so I had a grandmother who was a florist and also a hobbyist painter, but like a pretty pretty good one. Um, but not like a fine art painter, but like a uh, someone who painted for themselves, but also you know would show other people that her paintings and stuff. And that I think she always encouraged us to you know draw and paint and stuff. And she always had like her paints out and stuff. So we would kind of get into that. And I think she sort of in retrospect, she probably put up with a lot of like 
child horseplay with her kind of expensive stuff, which is, is <laughs> to her credit, very nice. Um, and then my dad is a very DIY person, but for not for sort of DIY reasons, he's quite thrifty. And so he, right? yeah, and, and he's and an accountant's did, accountant. Have you told the story yet about how he saw uh, what he saw at area 51? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have not. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he he was at Wright Patterson Air Force Base, and I'll I'll just say this very quickly: yeah. is my dad is an accountant. He's not um, prone to um, he's prone to the pragmatic, even even in its most irrational forms. Um, <laughs> and he rational pragmatism. <laughs> yeah, he 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 really. So he was at Wright Patterson Air Force Base because he worked for the government, um, and he really feels pretty strongly that they he saw a room um that had uh animal tissue listed as the its main sort of container and uh and he was like you know if if the government has aliens this is where they would be he was like it had all the trappings of like government contractor manages the air conditioner like like all the things you know <laughs> and so i i kind of I believe what he saw, like he, he doesn't say like I saw aliens, you know, like, but he was like, why, why would there be, why does this room exist? And if, and if it is aliens, this is what, this is what it would be. You know, like this is, this would be, this is exactly the setup that felt like as, as someone who's a lifelong government employee, this is exactly how it would be. It wouldn't be this like, crazy room that you need a fingerprint and stuff to get into and like a tom cruise outfit to go see like you just walk down the hall and it's like a a letterheaded letter in a frame on the door that says like don't go in yeah right right um so he he was a very diy person um and we sort of bonded over some of that stuff and also like i had some selfish reasons like he would start to work on the car and it would maybe not be working so well and he would get mad and I would end up kind of finishing working on the car for him uh, or with him because I had like real strong reasons for wanting a functioning car like on a Friday night. Uh, uh, and so like <laughs> I would like hustle to figure out like how to bleed the brakes on the car um, and he would just get mad and want to quit. And so so I would sort of take over projects at times because um, I was. I was into it, and also I had sort of my own selfish reasons. Well, and then I got into like how else were you going to get out to the hate shack? Exactly. <laughs> oh no, I forgot I told Taylor about the hate shack. The Speaking hate of shack? crack houses, the hate shack was this like <laughs> punk rock house in Orlando, Florida, where many, many, a lot of innocence was lost. <laughs> it was the opposite of the love shack. It it, it was, yeah, it, it really was, in in almost every way. I mean, it was a place that we all loved, but but it wasn't. Um, if you um, see a faded, <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh wow, get yeah. head in the middle of the road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the hate shack was was quite a place. Um, mm. Shout out to the the people who survived the hate shack. Yep. they're out there in Macedonia. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sh- should we? Should yes. we talk about projects? I I have I have pushed you guys adrift too many times. Let's talk. <laughs> Okay, uh, so see. I have placed upon Slack a little zip package for you guys, and I'm luxuriating in faster 
internet that I'm accustomed to. So go, go ahead, ahead and down, download that little fella. Hopefully it won't take you too long. Oh, there it is. Oh, yeah, there it is. I'll have to turn this over to Kelly to interpret the code. Oh, well, yeah, right. Awesome. <laughs> I see. Oh, there's some descriptions in here. I see Beautiful Soup. That's always a good sign. It's a really good library. Oh, yeah, you turned me on to Beautiful Soup. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh. Hmm. There's an Islamic poetry oh, yeah. RSS right. feed. Right. Uh-huh. And it looks like you have a file called poem.txt with a write flag flipped, so you can write to it. Uh, is it an array? A replace. You're replacing line or HTML breaks with maybe a line break. Uh-huh. Can't get anything past this dude, man. <laughs> uh, okay, so I think the code, yeah, the code... Oh, print the default printer. So, so it could be that the um, if you guys are finding it's too much of an uphill battle, let's bring in the visual media. Okay. But Sounds hopefully good. that'll give you some context for what's taking place here. Uh-huh. Eric or Kelly, I'll let you describe the photos perhaps. All right, so I start with TH1 here. And, uh, uh-huh. All right, loading it up. Oh, oh, wait a second. No, that, <laughs> <laughs> that's another photo. That's something I was okay. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Hopefully you'll get to that later. That story. Yeah. 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 Oh wait. Here we go. Yeah, I should try to load that one up. Oh, oh, here we go. Okay. So I see a cardboard box with um, maybe a power supply or something in the bottom. I don't know what that uh-huh. is. Am I right? Oh, and a um, some kind of board, maybe a Raspberry Pi or Arduino or something there. Raspberry Pi. You got it. Okay. And a set of uh, Honda keys in the background. Oh, very good. With, yeah, and a stove. Can you can you tell the brand of my storage space based on that <laughs> photograph? Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a hundred dollar key. I know about that. So, anyways, don't break that sucker. I bought that car used, and the 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 dealer guy didn't have the second key, so he had us come back and meet him in a Popeyes parking lot. <laughs> anyway, it, it was Long John Silver's, and then he passed it across like a drug deal, and well. I. And that's a hundred dollar key. Now yeah, I know. yeah, that's why. There's a log Juanitas box too. So, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Notable sponsor of podcasts, if I might. Oh, add. there we oh. go. Oh. Ooh, should we play the video, Taylor? Do it. <laughs> oh, nice. So it's a uh, uh, one of those like receipt printers printing out a. Islamic poem, I believe. Is that right? Mm-hmm. By Maria Zane. And the printer is mounted, I think, in a hole in the Lagunitas box. So yes. inside the box is still still the Raspberry Pi. So I, I'm guessing that the Raspberry Pi is running the code, which is nice. going and getting the poems and printing them out on the printer. No need it. for a case. You know, no there need to is. use plastic, right? You can just... Yeah, it's, it's a case nice. of beer. Yeah, case of beer. <laughs> you know, you you write what you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, of course, just as a reminder, the challenge is creating problems that was offered by Matt Stunky. 
Yep. And um, it he really he hit ho- close to home on this one for me because I'm always sort of debating with my academic colleagues about the distance between design and art, and I kind of feel like art can do it all and then design can do a subset of art. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. like there's, there's a certain amount of flexibility that a particular kind of designer takes away from themselves. Um, and so this wound up like I was working on it. And then at a certain point I said to myself, well, where's the problem? And I had to kind of go back around and think on it. So, so what I arrived at was, you know, the, my average, or really the average American's interaction with um, uh, Middle Eastern culture is, you know, broadly Islamic culture is just consuming oil. And um, and one of the only tangible things you get from that after you burn it all is the receipt. And so here I could use the receipt as a document of my relationship to Islamic culture, not as just a consumer of... Um, you know, a natural resource that'll eventually be gone, but as a consumer of the culture itself, the actual culture. Um, so this is an RSS feed that gives you a different Islamic poet every day, uh, and then it prints it out in this receipt, and then you have this tangible little object that you can um, regard instead of just, you know, um, your telephone where you get these sort of diaphanous, uh, immaterial pieces of media that you can ignore um, more easily than a concrete object. Oh yeah, that's hmm. cool. There you go. <laughs> does it does it print a different? Is it a poem of the day, or I was just wondering about that kind of how a different poem gets printed? Yeah, so the the RSS feed claims to be a different poem every day. Although I ran it yesterday and I got the same poem, so I have to uh-huh. double check. <laughs> I have to double check on that. The, the other thing that I haven't yet put in is the Python scheduling to make it just happen every day. You know, I have oh, yeah. to have this plugged in. 24-7 so that it would kick off at the right time. Yep. Uh, but there's a couple of projects I've worked on with the Raspberry Pi. Like I did some stuff hooking into the um, the bus and train predictors for the Chicago Transit Authority. And I haven't quite gotten to the point yet where I have DIY electronics I made myself that are just running 24-7 and plugged into the wall. Um, uh, so I suppose I have to just uh, you know take that last leap but I'm looking forward to trying to build more of these things where I set up challenges for myself. Like I'm not really a lover of poetry. So that would be the second layer. Like not only should I confront a poem every day, but also a poem from a culture that I hear a lot about through different portals, you know, and try to get a different perspective. Oh yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's funny. Like I, I live with a, a poet, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I didn't really honestly don't tell her I said that dude. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, no, she's she said she she sort of um, clowns on poetry because so it's the only art form people can people like openly hate, you know, like <laughs> well that and performance art, right? Performance so, art, yeah, that's, that's true, that's true. Yeah, performance art, yeah, that's dance. a good point. Yeah, but people always be like, oh, I hate poetry. Like they just are totally flat out, like no no qualms about it. Where you wouldn't be like, I hate music, you know, <laughs> right, right. But but yeah, so but I I do find I think the thing about poetry is is people at least I was exposed to poetry in like middle school or something. And you're sort of ex- expected to just be able to understand it. Like there's not, no one ever says like, just take from it what you are getting from it, you know, like, or read it 10 times over the next two weeks and see what you think, how how you think about what you read changes over time or something. Like you're just but, sort but of do, expected to take it But do you let yourself off value. the hook with that though? Do you really just think like, you know, art is what you make of it? 
Mm, no, no. I mean, I, I mean, they, they had intention, right? Like when they wrote it. <laughs> and I hope that I understand what their intentions are. And I, and sometimes I don't agree. Like, I don't just enjoy it because it's art, you know, like, like sometimes it sucks, <laughs> but, uh, um, or sometimes I don't care for it or whatever, but, uh, but I do think it's important. Like, I think with poetry is that the form is asking you to not to reject this idea of 100% comprehension, you know, uh-huh. um, in a way that I think make people, makes people uncomfortable. Ooh. And I, I think that's cool. But until you're sort of understand, like, it's fine if I don't get it or don't always get it or don't always get the same thing compared uh-huh. to, you know, algebra. <laughs> it's not super pleasurable for people. Sure. All right. Well, should we hit uh, Eric and Kelly's contributions? Yeah. All right. Hmm. So let's uh, we'll reveal this one photo at a time, right? So Ooh. Where, I guess, <laughs> right? It's where yeah. the, is this, yeah, yeah. by the way, is this yeah. where the Cisco on hold music happens? I love that hold music so much. I will admit I listen to it at work, like on my headphones. There's a, <laughs> there's a YouTube video of it on loop for a couple hours, yes. and it's really yes. the best. Yeah, I found yeah. that one, too. I, uh... I I have, a, I have a music degree actually, and I if oh, I, cool. I were back in music school. I was I actually pitched to someone I knew from music school of uh, maybe doing a live, you know, Cisco on hold, you know, like a twenty four hour live version. But, oh. oh wow, wow, right, that's awesome. We need to make that happen. I think I uploaded something. Did I upload something here? Yes, I see um, what appears to be a piece of paper, maybe laying on cement. Uh, looks like roughly index card and then it has the word biden's as in oh. like possessive joe biden's but no apostrophe <laughs> yeah uh in pen i wouldn't know these are seeds in the next image but the but the title gives me the uh-huh. tip rob yep. are you you're more um, earthy than me do you recognize what you see i would have thought I'd... those were seeds I'm, I'm, i like that i've been called more earthy wow <laughs> That's cool. Oh, Soylent Seeds. Yeah, I will admit I'm reading the image names as well. Um, but they're on top of concrete, though. Yeah. So, yeah. And that soil does not look, um, it doesn't look like a soil that Roots Simple mm. would approve of. Well, well it's a soil that... Everything you, has its purpose. Yeah, what, you know what kind of soil that is? I, it, oh, let's no. rub. Let's see if we can sound it out. It looks kind yeah. of dry, right? It looks very it's, dry. Yellow in color. It kind of reminds yeah. me of what you might get off a baseball diamond if it was wet, yep. and then you yeah run. yeah. Could you could you maybe build something out of that too? Think about that. Oh, is it a precursor of concrete? Maybe. Well, yeah, in a way. Uh, it's what you get when you dig oh, down. Like a dope, yeah, dope clay. You clay. It. clay. You got it. When you yeah. dig in down in here, at least in LA, a lot of parts of LA, that's what you hit. We actually built an oven out of that. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know I I can't even believe I didn't ask any questions about the the bread making. There's that. Yeah, we'll get to that later. We can yeah, get to yeah, that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so you you is it was it a bread oven that you made with this clay or was it, it, a, it, uh, it a different kind of oven? No, that was uh, 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 we did along with um, mm-hmm. Ben Lozier from the Center for Land Use Interpretation. Oh yeah, and cool. uh, and what am I forgetting? Oh, Kurt. Kurt. Yeah, Kurt. 
from uh, there was a class in our backyard to build it. We Tom Adobe Sawyered oven. that actually. We Tom Sawyered it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So. <laughs> I see the fourth image it looks to be uh, balls of clay that I think have the seeds embedded in them. Seed <laughs> bumps, there we dude. Go. Yeah, yeah, nice. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, there's another one. Cool. Yeah, but we. We take it. We take it a little further. So you got you got the first part right there, but we're we're taking this one a little bit further because oh, further other other seed bombs? yeah other people have done seed bombs before. So although rarely just, with Biden's seeds, yeah. but we'll come yeah, back we'll to that. About the, we'll talk about the Bidens in a moment. But <laughs> okay, <laughs> what's so the last image? Oh yeah, here we go. Oh yes, yeah. yes. So there's a model rocket. That's right. Um, I really, fi- you guys have some great documentation here too, where That's everything true. is. Um, w- what is it called again? When you lay everything out on a table at right angles, is uh, there a word kind for of that? Uh, Noling. Yes, Noling. Noling. Yeah. Really? Yeah. There's wow. a word for K- it. K N. Here, I'll find it real quick. It's um, it's the sort of wacky, fancy artist person who makes all the like space cardboard space. Um, like diora, like full scale dioramas of space stuff. I don't know, dude. Oh, oh. Well, well, Noel, I think was here. You go. So uh, first used in '87 by a janitor at Frank Gehry's furniture shop. That seems really <laughs> appropriate to me somehow. Tom Sachs is who I was trying to think of. Tom Sachs, yes. yes. Wow. Yeah. For real, yeah. You launched a seed bomb rocket, yes. and there's a uh, video too. That is so cool. Yeah, so I'm guessing that the uh, so the nose cone separates, yes. and then parachutes back to, Earth and then the seed bombs all dump out, right? That is correct. Yeah, because um, love it. This is actually a pre-existing idea that your show gave me the the impetus to. Uh, Oh, to, cool! To launch, uh, because you know it's like Kim, right? Kim Jong Un does his missile launches, and I've always thought, well, you know, why shouldn't root simple? You're right? our and little then, dictator, right? Exactly. And then um, you remember, I don't know the the governor of California after the whole, you know, uh, the new president. Shall we? Well, I won't say his name, but um, the yep. uh, the governor said, well, you know, after after the weather satellites were canceled, he said, well, why don't we, California is going to launch our own damn satellites. And there was wild applause. And that, that was the second point. I was like, okay, Governor Brown, Kim Jong-un, why not Root Simple? We need to, you know, we need to take the seed bomb idea and, and weaponize it in a way. That is you know? so cool. So, and I had, I I'd happened to hold on to a childhood rocket that was sitting in the garage. That rocket dates to 1975 or so, I think. Holy so. crap! And the charge still was it, works. Was it the? Yeah, it was the same wow. charge. It was right? the same. Yes, propellant. With I, that was one of the other things. Was like, would 40 year old, you know, rocket motors still work? And the answer is yes. <laughs> no. Wow. Ooh, the slow mo is very satisfying. So cool. I'm, I'm also digging that this is taking place just in someone's driveway in that, the middle that would of the urban area. Yeah, it, yeah. yeah. I thought about. I was just too lazy to go to an open field. I thought I, yeah. I don't really care about the, <laughs> you know. And also, of course, we wanted the seed bomb to 
land somewhere, yeah, right? Yeah. So we thought, well, I'll just exactly. do it in the driveway. And there was one witness, which was a guy walking his dog. He was very excited. He was like, you're going to launch a rocket? And I said something lame like, uh, it's an art project. Which you made know, him which walk is, away. <laughs> which made him walk away. And then uh, oh, I'll tell you, la- yeah, launching the rocket was much easier than fooling with the video on my slow Mac. I mean, the thing went up about 450 <laughs> feet, and it came down like just steps we thought it was going to yeah. uh, catch in the palm tree right you know it came Narrow, real close narrowly to that missed, yeah. but but there's a secondary charge of course in the rocket which expels the parachute and the um seed and the payload i should say it's the first time i've gotten to use the word payload <laughs> in regards to a root simple project but <laughs> yes <Yep. laughs> so the seeds i'm yes, curious the for seeds. sure about the right. seed selection well, I should say that we launched a dummy seed seed bomb here, just like Kim Jong Un. Just would, so our right? neighbors don't kill us. Nice. Yes, because so our neighbors don't kill us. Because that is my least favorite plant this year. It's a plant that showed up. Well, it's n- well. Go Kelly. There's a love hate oh. relationship. There's a love hate. Oh well, you. I think we oh. should go back and. Um, explain the, the the basic concept was that we were thinking about making a seed bomb with weeds with weed seeds with invasive yeah. plants as opposed mm. to mm, the, the 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 preferable plants which are usually found in the seed bombs although you know the originator of the seed bomb is is Masanoba Fukaoka who was a uh, kind of on the extreme natural farming kind of spectrum basically mm. And uh, his seed bombs, he would just mix random vegetable seeds, just anything in a big bucket, and then mix it with the soil and then toss them around. He yeah, was, and they know, uh, see he, what, he see wanted what to see works, what would happen. Right? He liked to just you know sow chaos and then watch and see what happened out of the chaos. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually now, when people make seed bombs, it's a very it's a favorite activity for like mm, kind of green. Green uh, perm- fair like activity. It's well, it's a permaculture of, yeah, trope, thing, but right. it's been carried into popular culture. So, you know, I think yeah, probably yeah, at yeah. this point, everybody's kids are making seed bombs at some point. You know, at school or at a fair or something, and they usually have wildflower seeds in them. They're very, they're very um, innocuous, and we thought it'd be fun to do. Oh, did you? Is there an episode where you interviewed that person? Yeah. Well, we interviewed. Fukuoka's translator, because Fukuoka is no longer alive. So we interviewed a guy named Larry Korn, who's a very, very interesting, very nice, mm-hmm. very nice. Yeah, man. we'll yeah. we'll link to that episode. That was a couple of years ago, maybe. That was oh, a while yeah. ago. That was a yeah. That yeah. was a while ago. Yep. Yeah. Hmm. So the Biden seeds. What 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 happens to what if I if I was your neighbor? <laughs> oh man. Well. Well, Biden's is a is a plant that we had never, we thought we knew our weeds, um, but um, this was a weed that was new to us as of last summer. Uh, and uh, But we found out on researching and identifying it that it's it's an incredibly common weed. It's all over, it's from South America originally. I think it spread its little self all over the world. It's a pretty plant, I think, for weed, especially it's not too big. It has pretty little dark green leaves uh, that look kind of like rose leaves or something kind of along those lines, um, and little flowers that are either white or yellow. And um, there's actually uh, Bidens that are 
grown as garden plants, like different different um, varieties, different yeah. varieties. Okay. But the weeds themselves are much. They're often. What are the, some of their common names? Like devil oh, nettle yeah, or <laughs> um, tick burr, burr tick, something. They things they, like that. They have yeah. many many common names because everybody uh, knows what they are because they they create these. Awful, awful seeds that stick in your socks or your pants or whatever. I mean, they're, they they deploy seeds like no other weed I have ever encountered. Thousands, thousands. Uh, thousands. And they and stick in your clothes? They stick so, – and they stick in your skin. The first time I met them, I was I was weeding in the backyard and I uh, and I got – I had rows of these seeds just standing upright in my arm. They, they're – they um Bidens is like bi-dental, by two toothed, by den you know? oh. and so they their um their seed pods look like little sputniks. They're round, um you know, with the seeds bursting out in all directions from the center. And they're black and skinny. Um but at the end of every seed there's two teeth. And those teeth are what grab onto um Anything that's going by, they're they're little hitchhikers, and they wanna they wanna take over the world. So um, one came into our yard, and it was a pretty had pretty foliage. It had little flowers. We didn't know about the seeds when we first saw it growing. I was like, "That's a weed," but it's a weed I've never seen before. Oh, you know, I'm like, "Well, I'll let it go." And then as it bloomed, um, it it attracted insects like few other plants that I've seen. There's like a, I have a Whoa. top. I have a top ten of you know of um, plants that um, pollinators love, and this is on that list. I've never seen, um, except for maybe mm, like fennel has that kind of draw, fennel in full flower. Uh -huh. There's a f just a few of them that have um, uh, poppies in full flower, uh, uh, the thistle family in full flower. These things bring a lot of insects, but the, the, the Biden's like, oh my gosh, busy. So we're like, I was like, well, how sweet. It's this innocuous weed. It's, 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 you know, it's not woody or stocky or weird or oversized. It's just this pretty little green plant. It gets little tiny flowers and all the bugs love it. And I'm like, well, let's just let that go. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then the seeds came. <laughs> and uh, wow. we, then we started pulling them up as fast as we could, but it was already too late. Every plant creates millions of children. 30,000. Yeah, 30,000. Yeah. One plant. So. We, we spent Whoa. all of this spring pulling Biden's weeds just desperately out of our yard because all, we'd all been impacted, you know, by the, by the seeds. So of course we want that's to like spread a, that around. <laughs> yeah, but that's like a football stadium of seeds. Like if each one was in a chair, I mean thirty thousand. Oh my god, something wow. like that. It's an amazingly efficient, beautiful plant. It's useful to the you know to the natural world. I'm sure I don't know what its properties in soil are, but I'm sure it probably right. does good things for the soil. It it feeds the, all the insects in the world, um, and it's actually medicinal. I, I looked, I, you know, I, I investigated a bit, and it, it actually is a, as a herbal cure. I mean, it's it's incredibly um, antibacterial, and it's also a tonic oh. for mucous membranes. So it's good for many many things. Uh, I've got some of it tincturing in alcohol, um, where it's made this like bright green 
sort of elixir that if we ever get like um, flesh eating virus or something, we can pour it on <laughs> ourselves and I think it'll heal us. <laughs> you know? Although the Everclear like that it's in it, might yeah. do that too. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, we should have taken a picture of the uh, tincture. Oops. Um, but um, so, but Eric, maybe we can go back to. Well, yeah, I mean, we should step back, back. and say, we, of course, we were responding to your last guest, Matthew's challenge to uh, create problems. Because he was saying, I remember in the podcast, he was saying, well, he's a designer and, you know, it's about solving problems. And, for, you know, our work is very much about solving problems, too. We unintentionally create problems. All but, the time. But not, right. you know, intentionally yep. <laughs> creating a problem. And, you know, seeds are creatives. I thought, oh, seeds, creation, right? So, and problem, Bidens. So, <laughs> but there's you know. all sorts of dialogue in the plant community about uh, invasive species versus native species. This is a, this is a uh, contentious very, very and complex subject. subject. Yeah. Um, oh. And yes. so... <laughs> it, I, I, I kind of dread to get into it, <laughs> but, but it, it also is touching. It is also touching on that uh, because who's the Biden's a problem for? It's not a problem for nature. It's a problem for us. Some would argue it has some sort of role in this particular screwed up, you know, environment that we're in. Some would say. Others would say, "Well, no, we need to get rid of it." But you know, I mean, we're at we're at we you know we created uh, a world and like in an urban environment where nothing um, is allowed to live except for the most obnoxious plants, you know, right. and you know, right, right. God bless them, you know, and they come through and they come through in the cracks in the sidewalk, and they grow with no water and they grow though they've been run over by the car six times. <laughs> <laughs> I, I admire them so much, and Biden's is certainly one of those because it's so deceptive, and it's so sweet and innocent. Um, and now, since we that I don't know how, uh, I don't know why we were Biden's free for. We've been in this house for almost twenty years, never seen a Biden's before. Um, some it caught it carried on something. It traveled. It hitchhiked into our neighborhood. Ended up in our yard. Um, uh, we were fooled by it which is wonderful. <laughs> it was, despite our weeding efforts, it spread. And now I'm seeing it up and down the block in the neighborhood. It's wow. not too bad yet. It's, it's, an, it's by no means the dominant weed in our neighborhood. But I go, oh, look, right. there's a little Biden's. And you see one and you know, 30,000 more next year. <laughs> so that maybe they'll take over eventually. Does it grow outside of California as well? Oh, it yeah, goes everywhere. I think all over yeah. the world. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a great picture of the rocket. Yeah, everything yeah, it's, the, it's the a rocket particular orange that I think they haven't made since 1973. <laughs> totally, yeah, it's it really a little is. burnt, a little burnt orange. But know? it was a perfect launch. It was amazing. <clears throat> you know, it, land, it landed what like 50 feet? Maybe, yeah, exactly. 50 off? feet. Yeah. The ejection charge went off. Payload deployed. Everything it was great. Yes, this. The only thing we were missing was one of those like fancy tracking cameras like NASA has, you know, when they do a launch or something. I really want one of those, but oh well. Yeah. So how high up do you it's not a huge model rocket as model rockets go. I was just curious how high it went. Well, it was a it was a uh, A6 engine, which I looked up. I think it was A6 or A8. Anyway, it should have been at probably about four hundred and fifty feet. So you know, maybe a little higher than the real estate agent drones that the neighborhood yes. also has, right? I don't know if you've seen oh, those, yeah. but... Uh, what neighborhood in L.A. are y'all in? Well, this is, uh, we call it Happy Foot, Sad Foot, after the, podi the famous podiatrist sign, 
some call it Silver Lake, some call it Echo Park. Depends on what mood you're in, but we call it Half Sappho. Happy foot, yep. sad foot. <laughs> <Nice. laughs> Taylor, there's a sign in LA that is a rotating sign. And as I understand it, as Jen described it to me, when you're driving, what street is it that you would typically drive on to pass by? Oh, Sunset. It's on Sunset and Benton. Yeah, Sunset and Benton. Rob, show show us your goods. All right, cool. I have only four images, and I'll upload them. uh, I guess sort of one, one at a time. Do you see the first one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like a 3D printed something or other. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Sun. Yeah. 3D printed with a little trouble with adhesion. That is the third thing I've ever 3D printed. Did you print that at work? Now, here's, the, here's the second image. <laughs> we do have a 3D printer at work. I've never used it, but I do work in that kind of place where we have a 3D printer. You should just, experience 3D printing, Rob. Just so we can, yes, just so we can tell people like on the office tour, like we have a 3D printer. <laughs> well, some tubes coming out of a house, it looks like. And some. Yeah, I think I'm seeing Rob drilled a hole through the wall of his house, which I'm very excited about. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. There's no weather rising of any kind, but I guess that's L.A. That's for L.A., you. yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've done that, too. It's true. It looks like our gray water installation. Oh, yeah. The hole in the window. Yep. Yeah. All right. Oh, it's, wow. So is this solar-powered 3D printing, or am I giving too it, much away here? No, that's oh, what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the yeah, second so, picture is the spoiler, I guess, really. But yeah, so the, in the second picture, there's a solar panel and a battery, and what I'm assuming is some kind of alternator or way to convert what's coming out of the solar panel into usable voltage and amperage. Am yep. I right about that? Yep, you nailed it. Yep. Yeah. The would, uh, the yellow box is an inverter. Yeah. Right. I think in the middle is a charge controller, so it's just sort of uh, doing the work to make sure the battery doesn't overcharge. Yeah, yeah. Nice. And the yellow box is essentially converting 12 volts into 110. Does your funky adhesion have anything to do with, you know, variations in voltage levels, or is it just that's just, you know, on the printer's side? It's just because I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) I I wondered that too, and so I, 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 I... Plugged the printer back into the you know, regular one ten and reprinted it, and it looks exactly the same. So, yeah. yeah, it looks like you're just going for the equivalent of one wall thickness on your letters, and that's why you're having your adhesion issues. Yeah, look, it's, yeah, I I really just um did the best I could for my first shot. So so I <laughs> I got a three D printer. It's a it's a Prusa i three Mark II. Uh, yeah, I was looking at that one. I've always been curious about 3D printing. I never have tried it. Um, and so I, I got one. <laughs> and uh, thank you, tax return. And um, I, but I also was a little bit like, there's a critique of 3D printing that I think is valuable, which is, you know, do you, 
it is a really interesting and cool creative tool, but it it does encourage you to think in terms of plastic, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. like that you are you are making a plastic world and you're sort of expressing your creativity in this sort of way that is um I don't know tr- troubled, you know? And so I I I decided that before I took the 3D printer out of the box and put it together and stuff that I would um read this thing that I had seen before but never kind of dug into called the Additivist Manifesto. Taylor, you might might know those those people. Mm-hmm. Um and I thought it was pretty cool. Like it's it's this sort of sci-fi speculative fictiony um video that kind of asks you to to kind of push yourself out beyond what what um maybe lots of youtube videos might um, i'm dissing youtube here but like what like a lot of classic kind of uses of 3d printing might might lead you to you know like Damn. like 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 3d print your self a cutting board i don't know whatever <laughs> you know whatever it is like like a uh, chance yeah, keychains. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and so I was like, "Well, I li- I like this thing." And so they have this cookbook PDF um, called the Additivist 3D Additivist Cookbook, um, and there was some interesting stuff in there. And there is this guy who's named Jesse Jackson, um, not the political figure, um, <laughs> who had an article called uh, "Speculative Prototyping: Making Plastic Printing Sustaining and Playful," and he has a sort of image of this person who may or may not be him like riding a bike like a bicycle powered 3d printer and i thought that was was something and i have some i had had some spare solar parts around because i like making solar powered stuff and i was like i don't propose that i'm like successfully trading my like good intentions (laughs) of like making a solar powered thing to like kind of carbon offset my curiosity about a thing that is inherently uh making plastic goo in the world you know but like i was like it it does make me want to sort of make my own additivist manifesto which the additivist manifesto encourages um you have to make some decisions about how you want to frame your creative work right like and so if you're expressing that creativity through 3d printing what are your terms and i thought that was cool and so the first this this sun this printed like keychainy admittedly looking <laughs> uh, plastic silver gob that says the word sun is the first line in my manifesto which is um, that I if I'm going to use a 3D printer I would like it to be powered um, in a way that is ecologically sustainable through mm-hmm. human power bike power sun power or wind power I guess and um, and as I get more familiar with the printer and do some more thinking about printing. I'll continue to build this sort of 3D printed manifesto uh, for 3D printing. Now, at the same time, you can really go down the rabbit hole, right, and try to figure out, like, all the trapezoidal rod that's driving that thing. You know, how much water was consumed and so yep. forth in the production of all those materials. Yep. So it's it's always an interesting question for me. Once you open the Pandora's box of trying to account for what you have wrought um, you know, how far down do you go? It's all turtles, man. 
all the way down. Tur- <laughs> turtles all the way down. But um, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys make of that? Because it's, I mean, we have some bona fide people of the earth. We do. Has has Rob correctly atoned? Your your power situation that reminds me. We interviewed this really great journalist who who does a magazine or a online magazine called Low Tech Magazine. Mm. Oh, cool. And I just sent That's you something so here. Yeah, it's really fantastic. But he uh, took his apartment in Madrid, uh, basically off grid, doing exactly what you're doing. So he you know he's a journalist, so he only uses a laptop. So yeah. Yeah, I think he goes down. He goes to sleep when the sun goes down, or something <laughs> like that. Anyways, he wow. he just threw some solar panels out on his balcony, and you know that's that's what he does. So. That's cool. Yeah, I, I sort of decided I didn't. My panel will be placed somewhere that's I imagine quite a bit more efficient. But I just I got this admittedly done yesterday, <laughs> so so I was yep. like, oh, I kind of need it to just burn in for a few days and make sure everything's okay. And then I'll move the panel and sort of also like weatherproof um, the charge controller a little bit and stuff. But um, yeah, I, w- I was curious because I, I know Eric and Kelly, you're both curious people, you know, and and you're, but you're also both, I feel like, quite thoughtful about how how I mean, I feel like a lot of y- your thinking is probably dedicated to like rethinking a lot of stuff in your life that was maybe different 20 years ago, you know, that, that you've decided like, I'm going to rework this thing that maybe is quote unquote common sense or common knowledge in your life. And so I was curious, like how do you address or think about this type of thing where you're like, I want to do this thing, but I know it's like gross, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then the, the moments we slip up and end up in Costco Totally, yeah. yeah, right. I don't know how I got here. Yeah, how'd that happen? Um, But yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. Of I want to do this thing, but it involves a lot of plastic. Um, Yeah, actually, I I got a sous vide device (laughs) against against my uh, Kelly was really angry with me because that's kind of the same problem, right? It it uses can use a lot of plastic. I mean, sometimes you can use jars and things. Well, it's an unnecessary device in itself. Well, there's that too, right? And then it has to. Have you tried the eggs yet? Oh, oh yeah, that's God, what yes. Eric. They're fantastic. A talented <laughs> cook can make soft, yolked, hard-boiled eggs. Taylor, Taylor do you have? And a it only takes eggs. three hours too. I I do not <laughs> have wow. one, but but I must admit I've been considering building one out of a uh, storage container and <laughs> yes, you know, raspberry pi right. and so yes, forth. You so. can do that. Yeah. Yep. That's true. I did. What? It, what? It, <laughs> Kelly, have you? Have you forgiven Eric? <laughs> like after eating something, or are you just like uh. I am? I remain unconvinced that it's worth the, just okay. worthwhile. I, you yeah. know, I mean, yeah, the heart, the the eggs are good. Um, are fish, you a meat eater? Though? You know, we've done the well, Eric's not very often. We don't eat okay. meat often, but I don't know. We, you know, I. I Eric makes fish. I make fish my old, you know, primeval way. <laughs> I think my fish is better. <laughs> over fire, you mean? Uh, yeah. You know, over fire. Fire is a great technology. Um, you know, um, we've done meat, and I haven't seen the wondrous effects, but maybe Eric's doing it wrong. I don't know. I, I'm oh. still like, I'm, I'm not, ouch. you know, I know, ouch. I, I'm just yeah. like, I don't know what the big deal is. I mean, I understand for restaurants that it's very convenient for them to be able to hold food, you know, almost done at temp, you know, but for the home, 
like, okay, well, I'm going to make dinner. It'll be ready in four hours. It will be, you know, not much different than, you know, what, <laughs> what we would have if, you know, I was just allowed to fry it in a pan in five it, minutes. I, I just realized that sous vide, the food is in a plastic bag. Yes. Right. Yeah. right. Okay. Yes. okay. Often. Yes. That makes it, yeah. yeah. Right. Mm. <laughs> it seems like, so we are always seeking updates from the people we have on the podcast, but we need yep. to figure out if you guys could please update us moving forwards about whether the sous vide situation changes depending yeah. on what you've tasted. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be some blog posts. I haven't blogged about it yet. Actually. The best thing has been the, um, the hard-boiled eggs. Yeah, hard-boiled eggs. Soft-boiled eggs, too. No, they're mm. too they're mm. too wet. I don't like the way they come out. But I do like the way the hard-boiled eggs come out. But you can make those without. I mean, it's it's hard. It's I, I admit that it's hard to time hard-boiled eggs so that you get a nice, soft, bright yellow yolk. You know, and how long does it take to make the hard-boiled eggs in the sous vide? I, uh, I think it's an hour. Mm. like that. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I, I just was talking to my mom about this, speaking of the boomer generation, where she was saying she didn't really like hard-boiled eggs, and then I finally found out that she always boiled hers for 20 minutes. <laughs> oh. I said, Chalky. oh, mom, I'm going to blow your mind. Do it for nine. And then she called me later. I can't believe it. <laughs> uh, that's nice. Yeah. Trichinosis and so forth. We, I know that's apples and oranges, but uh, yeah, she, she's... Basing this off of a different era of um, pathogens, I guess. Yeah, and like cookbooks full of gelatin objects. Yeah, <laughs> aspic. Oh, yeah. Boy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, speaking. So Taylor mentioned this, but uh, we. So one of the things we try to do is have people who've been on the podcast before to sort of let them be able to like keep, keep, keep it going. And so um, we asked all of our previous guests if they have something coming up in the world that they would like to let people know about to call into a phone number and we'll we'll post it in the podcast and so we'll insert those right here bam hey this is megan trainer um i'm spending the summer mostly in the great outdoors why you know meditate on how to synthesize ideas about technologies like electronics and computing with um, natural systems and the healing practices of hedge witchery uh, so far i've got a pretty good tan uh, and a ton of rose hips collected but i'm sort of hitting a wall with completely understanding and wrapping my head around quantum mechanics so that's what i'm up to um hey to the opposable thumbs crew <laughs> all right bye Hi, this is Nick Bontrager. I just returned from a one-month artist residency in Iceland, where I was the first person to pilot an underwater rover through the tectonic rift between the North American and Eurasian plates. It made for some really cool footage, and I'm excited to use it in some upcoming exhibitions in Texas. Thanks. Bye. Hey, this is uh, Federico Tobon, and... I need your cat pictures. So I started a collection of cats that hang out with artists and makers on a new Instagram account. The account is called The Cat and the Artist with no spaces. Uh, so follow me, send me your cat pictures, tag me, or use the hashtag The Cat and the Artist with no spaces. Um, I even got a picture of Rob's cat already, Pancake is there. So, cool. Thank you. 
Hello, this is Matt Steinke, and I'm currently working on a recording of my new performance called No Place, and it sounds like this. Um, hi, uh, Robin Taylor. This is Dan. So I'm currently working on an essay on uh, border politics, um, and today I learned how to drive a bobcat. Um, yeah, so that's the exciting news. Yeah, thanks. Bye. Hey, you too. This is Huang. I'm calling from a um, balcony. Um, in East Berlin, here on kind of half holiday, half work trip, and um, I uh, haven't been here for 16 years, so it's great to rediscover the city. It's completely changed since then, obviously. Um, and let's see, I'll just um, I am doing a Weiser um, for my show at all on Saturday at 1 p.m. I'll be back in town for that in Chicago. And um, I'm just going to let this record some night sounds of Berlin. Eric and Kelly, on episode 20, we will Ooh. be contacting everyone Fantastic. to send us an update. And we, are, we will be curious about the sous vide. Do you, do you, <laughs> do you, I feel like some blind taste tests might be yep. mm-hmm. a good mm-hmm. mouthfeel yeah. as a giveaway. Yeah. But I understand <laughs> there's more to it than just flavor. But mouthfeel, dude. Well, Rob, should we should we cap off with the biz? What are you thinking? Yeah, I think we need we need our challenge. Please. Oh, right. Eric and Kelly. Kelly and Eric. <laughs> well, Kelly came up with a pretty good challenge. So, do we Ooh. we articulate it here yeah, fully? We, I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm just not sure, sure about yeah. the rules. Okay. Yeah. No, no, yep. Okay. So we were we were thoughts. On, by the way, the the project we did was also inspired by Marshall McLuhan. Would call some of his harebrained ideas probes. I always thought oh. You know, so. Oh yeah, so this was a probe. This was a probe. <laughs> nice. That's yeah. what that means. <laughs> oh, I was like, "What's up with the probes thing?" Like, I thought it was like, "Okay, cool." Oh. It. It's a probe, probe. So Kelly, yeah. I thought it had a different rating. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, okay. Um, <laughs> How did this? This what we were this chatting. One, well, this on one the came up because I wasn't. Well, no, right. it was because I wasn't sure if I liked your seed bomb idea or not. It was right. Eric's idea. It his, it's all his genius. Um, but I couldn't think of anything better, really. <laughs> and, um, uh, I, I went, you know, I felt like, 
you know, there, there's a practice that needs to be outlawed, you know, in um, speech writing and um, newspaper articles, is, you know, which is the um, – Somebody, somebody, school papers. <laughs> well, it happens sadly in the adult world as well. But um, when there's um, a a word in question and the speech starts off with someone saying, "Well, according to Webster's, <laughs> Webster's dictionary defines, defines <laughs> excellence as you know, like oh yes. no." And when you hear that, you just know it's going to yeah. be bad. You know, you know, you're on a downhill slide there. Um, but, um, I did it (laughs) despite my lifelong hatred of the practice. Cause I was like, well, what is a problem? And, um, uh, cause it's just something that annoys me. That's kind of how I think of problems. And then there's math, which is all like a big blank spot in my head. (laughs) So I'm like, so there's annoying things and then there's math problems and what else? (laughs) But, um, so of course uh, it's as a noun, it's, uh, the first definition is any question or matter involving doubt, uncertainty, or difficulty. So then I was like, oh, it could, instead of just something annoying, it could be a matter that involves doubt. And I kept playing with that, like matter, you know, doubtful matters, matter, doubt, because doubt is an interesting place to be. Uh And so, Mm -hmm. and lately I've been, um, I've been reading, uh, Charles Eisenstein's book, The More Beautiful World Our Heart Knows Is Possible. So this is really just riffing off of Eisenstein. I'm not going to make him credit for this philosophically. And Eric's is been reading Is this still a- Eisenstein, the uh, constructivist filmmaker? Or oh, no. 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 no, no, not that Eisenstein. No, no this is a, okay. a living Eisenstein um, who Got wrote, it. he also wrote a book called Sacred Economics. Um, he's not Hmm. He kind of travels a different intellectual worlds than like academic writing. You know, I don't even know. I don't even know uh, how to describe this. I'm totally unaware of it. <laughs> I'm barely aware of academic writing. Um, but he, because uh, he, he's not a professional anything, which is why I like. He's like a. He's like a just a like Eric uses this term thought stylist. Eric is a thought stylist, oh. and and Eisenstein's a thought stylist, really. So. So um, without qualifications, he makes beautiful things happen. (laughs) So so The Beautiful World of Hearts Knows is Possible is a book. um, It's it's about climate change in some ways. It's it's about um, the emotional sort of despair that we can feel um, being up against this insolvable problem. And um, one of the things he recommends is, is... sitting in a state, uh, being okay with sitting in a state of unknowing or uncertainty or inaction, like that these things are actually okay and probably preferable to action when the actions we have been making so far are just making things worse, you know, because Mm. we, you know, we just reiterate the same kinds of solutions to the things that this is how we got into you know like what is the what is that overuse <laughs> just along with the um the dictionary definitions there's the overlong the overuse quote about um what is it the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results oh uh, yeah all right so we uh it, it's like that it's like when you when you're not getting the results you want and you keep doing the same kinds of things over and over again why not stop and be okay with being, just saying, I don't know. I, 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 you know, it's, it, 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 we are, our culture doesn't let us stop. We're always asked to produce, keep producing, keep answering. 
you know, and, you know, activists are like, the world is on fire. Do something now. Do something fast. We have to do it now. And he's like, it's, that's just not going to happen. It's, let's sit back and, and be in this space. Um, and, and there's more to it than that. But um, I'll, I'll leave it there about being in this, this place of doubt. So the words uncertainty you're working with? Doubt. Or um, doubt. Doubt, uncertainty. Doubt? Well, uncertainty, actually. Um, so like I was imagining, well, I shouldn't say, I had an idea for, um, I had an I- idea, um, which I couldn't make. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, so I'll leave it to um, someone else to make, who's <laughs> a better maker than me. Um, and I need someone to make an, an uncertainty generator. Mm. Uncertainty generator. So to help us when we need to be uncertain, but we don't know how. Wow. It's the first thing that comes to mind. Did did it resonate with any of you guys when I said that I was a Dungeons and Dragons nerd? Oh yeah. Are you you share this? (laughs) So so I remember reading this comic strip where do you guys remember when it was like the Pentium three processor or whatever it was had some kind of basic fault where it would do (laughs) math wrong. (laughs) <laughs> and this, like you know, so you would ask it to do a calculation, it would get it wrong by like you know, fifteen decimal places out or whatever. Yeah. So I remember reading this comic strip where someone had cast magic missile, but it missed by like point zero 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 ninth of a meter. When this is a spell that never misses. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've laid myself really bare there. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. We're with you. It, is that the challenge? Mm-hmm. Create an uncertainty generator. An uncertainty generator. Oh, the oh, gen- so the generator is part of the challenge. Mm, something that generates uncertainty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Sure. Yeah, that sounds great. Huh? Oh, I'm into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, oh! We have what we're into, and it looks like Eric and Kelly, you have some items that you've listed, and so we're we're curious oh. for you to tell people about them. I see three items. Sure. So in your lists, what's our shall list? we begin? Uh, yeah, please, please do. I think the first one was plunge router. Is that right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's yours, baby. That's right. Yeah, that's mine. Well, it actually, was inspired by uh, your your guest Federico, who we know, and uh, yeah. he had a whole. You know, the, the theme was uh, jigs on his, right? And yep. Uh, I, yep. I got to thinking, like, what <clears throat> what what machine needs a jig? Like, gin needs tonic. Right, and that would be a plunge yeah. router. And uh, owned one for years, never really gotten very good at it. And I decided, yep. like, I'm going to devote the whole summer to the plunge router because I think with a plunge router you could save the world. Is that right, Kelly? It's true. Oh yeah, you can do anything. Absolutely, you could do dentistry with it if you wanted to. But uh, yeah, arguments here. Yeah. Yep. But no, it's I sort of the kitchen mixer of tool hand yeah, tools. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Who needs any other tool? But I, I just so I went down the garage and Kelly will test. I made a mortise and tenon joint. Mm-hmm. Wow. Came back router, up, showed it to me. Know? Yep, proudly mm-hmm. made some That's jigs awesome. to do that. Inspired by your show, so wow, uh, yeah, <laughs> so. That's so cool. And then Kelly, what? Speaking of, uh, uh, it, well, what's <laughs> what's going what on right now? <laughs> well, there's a low level storm in in our office here because I've got the oh my gosh oh, I'll take care of that I've you talk the, uh, I'll take care of the uh, what you're going to talk <laughs> I, about we have a puppy uh, um, and uh, he was asleep for most of this conversation but he is up and he's in full force and he's he's while we've been talking I just keep like taking things out of his mouth. <laughs> 
um, or shoving, alternatively shoving other things, you know, acceptable things into his mouth. And, but he's not really having anything of it. So he's just as, just as his um, cue came, he found a box of um, photos that Eric's been sorting through. So now Eric's you know, taking those away and putting them somewhere high. But yeah, he's in full, f- he's in rebellion. He wants out of, of this dark? room. Um, he is a Saluki. And so Saluki. I guess that's what you put on the list, Eric? Yes, it is. <laughs> He's a Saluki, which is a um, not a real Egyptian. popular dog. Yeah, they are from the – they originated in the Fertile Crescent. And mm-hmm. uh, they um, are sometimes also known as Persian greyhounds. Wow. Eric's <laughs> moving things as fast as he can. <laughs> I know this because I used to teach in southern Illinois where the Saluki was our mascot. Oh, right. Really? Then, yes, they are the mascot yeah. of, yes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, because most people do not know what a Saluki is, but you people would. <laughs> people from that school and um, uh, people from England, of course, where they're more popular. And, of course, people from the Middle East know what Salukis are. But you're doing a particular kind of training with them, right? Yeah, he's well. He's a pup still, so he's pretty stupid in many ways. But um, I've started doing. Um, uh, I'm I'm really interested in in dog training uh, as a general field, and we're going to be doing a lot of things with him. But um, I've just mm-hmm. started him out with. A, there's a little known sport called canine nose work, and it's based <laughs> wow. on um, it's based on drug sniffing protocols, and you can teach your dog to be a, a drug sniffing dog, essentially. Uh, except they don't sniff drugs. Uh, they uh, sniff uh, some like um, scents, scents that are um, hard to uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, um, uh, like uh, birch oil or uh, something like that. But, so oh. he's learning to be a scent, oh. a scent hound, even though he's a sight hound. Oh. It looks like you have one more thing. Oh, yes. Decluttering. Oh, decluttering. Yes. Yeah. I mean, kind of like. Because I'm going through my mom's house right now, it's much on our mind. Mm. So yep. we're, we're de- definitely jettisoning stuff and uh, kind of re- rethinking the works of Marie Kondo, who's sort of the, you know, the um, doyen, doyen of decluttering. Of decluttering. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's interesting because, like I was saying at the beginning, Eric's mother was a, a maker with like 60 years of, of projects under her belt. Um, in that house, I mean, she you know, and um, she they lived in that same house for sixty years. So everything is is packed in Oof. there. Um, yeah. Everything from you know what did she not do? Leather work, watercolors, carving gourds, um, Ukrainian eggs, yeah, just uh, jewelry making, sewing, wow. what is, gardening. What is a Ukrainian rock. egg? Oh, Ukrainian eggs are kind of interesting. It's a really <laughs> anal retentive. Um, she's we got about fifty of them now. We have to figure out what to do with because um, each of them is a lot of hours of her work. And we have to like give them to all her friends or something. But um, they're little like uh, wax resist sort of process hand painted eggs, um, like you do, you know, blown hard boiled eggs that uh, you. I think the process has to do with, with painting designs in wax and then dipping them over and over again so you have like a layered like a layered color effect like kind of like batik on an egg oh okay Um, oh yeah you can't throw those oh no no each one took forever (laughs) for her to make you know we have a a whole lot of them (laughs) but um yeah so yeah everything whoa whoa i (laughs) the eggs totally threw me i don't know what oh Oh, we're we're so we're rethinking now. 
um, it, it's one of the hardest things when you when you are as people who who make things. Whether you're an artist or a homesteader or whatever, you're going to start having clutter, like a lot of yeah. clutter, because you know the, mm-hmm. we are people who are like that could be useful. You know, either like you find something on the street or in the thrift store and you drag it home or you just, God forbid, you should ever throw anything away. (laughs) So, you know, the things will stack up, um, different kinds of containers or tools or whatever. Even if you maybe you're not doing that kind of thing anymore, you think you could probably go back to it. So you still have it. I have a lot of... um, Raw well, pigments from the, my tempera paint. Right. It's the days. I'll, I'll use this someday <laughs> problem. Yeah. I think that, yep. And yeah. those cost right. money. <laughs> so I'm keeping them, you know, and, uh, but her, her life, you know, and, uh, and the cleaning up afterwards, it's been a, a hard lesson for us, you know, because um, what did, you know, how many of those things did she ever go back to? And we've discussed this on the blog and, and we get mixed reactions. Um, because a lot of our, our readers are are also hardcore makers, and they're like, "I'm not giving up my stuff, <laughs> you know. Take your minimalism and shove it, <laughs> and it's all right." But we're we're getting to the point where it's like, you know, I'm going to trust the universe. I can have what you know stuff for what we're doing um, on hand right now, but I'm not going to keep stuff just in case. And I'm not going to keep stuff just because it looks like maybe it has possibilities for the future. Yeah, I can right. go out and buy another one, or I can find. We live in a in a culture of vast material waste, and it's or abundance of cheap new materials. You know, um, poor uh, his mom had a, a bag full of zippers. She cut all zippers out of things before she threw them away. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. she also, yeah. yeah, and she also had a collection of vintage zippers that she had bought in stores that she had not actually used. There were many zippers, therefore, and this, the the vintage zippers were neat because they um, showed all this like, packaging design evolving through the through the twentieth century, you know. And the earliest zippers are like twenty five cents each, and then they're seventy five cents each, and they're a dollar fifty. Wow! Each. Yeah, the, infla- infl- <laughs> the inflation, the inflation of, zippers. of zippers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know, wow. and I was looking at them. I I try to sew. I'm miserable at it, but I'm trying to get better. Um, but I was looking at them like, should I take some of them zippers home with me? And I was like, no, 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 <laughs> zippers. <laughs> because they'll never no be the zippers. right color, the right length they will not you will just have zippers sitting around until you die and someone has to throw the damn zipper away no i I can buy a zipper picture of somebody's space before this episode (laughs) then like just the the, picturing the saluki frolicking amongst the ukrainian eggs and the artisanal (laughs) zippers yeah yeah. (laughs) what you would see right now is really the the saluki has a bag of toys like all of his chewies and things i throw into a bag just to keep them off the ground and he's like methodically emptied the whole bag out of boredom while we've been in here so now we're ankle deep in chew toys and weird stringy things (laughs) clutter (laughs) clutter it looks pretty bad doesn't look like a minimalist house right here um you can find photos of our finished projects at our project site called projects.opposablepodcast.com definitely go there so you can see eric and kelly's amazing slow-mo video of their model rocket launch it's like where where are you going to get that only at projects.opposablepodcast.com uh we also have links in the show notes and we'll be posting uh uh project photos and other related stuff into our brand spanking new instagram account are we are opposable underscore podcast at Instagram, and we've been getting like actually like lots of 
people sort of into it, um, which is cool. You can listen to episodes directly on opposablepodcast.com. You can also subscribe to Opposable Thumbs with iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, and other podcast app platforms. Oh, Eric and Kelly, I, I was curious if you had any thoughts on this. I have noticed that many of our listeners, I think, don't actually listen with a podcast app and just oh, listen yes. to mm-hmm. it in the browser. Yep. Yes. And I was yep. wondering if that, that, that sounds yes. actually sounds like something you're familiar with as well. Yes. I don't I don't and, understand it, but uh, I don't yeah, either. people yeah. sit at the computer and they, they play it. Well, because yeah. there's people who are not podcasty, but yeah. they're interested. Well, it's probably yeah. people who are not podcasty. You know, there's people who are podcasty. Well, there's people who are podcast users who are into podcasts like Eric and I, you know, so we both have a podcast list. Each of us have a podcast list on our phones and we're plugged into it half the time listening yep. to it. Yep. And then there's people who just ain't, you know, but yep. they they know you or something or they've heard of this. Um, people, um, you know, so a certain number of our listeners are not podcast listeners, but they like our podcast. And so they just listen, including my mom, yeah, <laughs> Eric's aunt Dottie. So they, hi guys, so they'll be, um, they'll be, uh, you know, listening to it on their laptop or their iPad or something like that because they don't want to go through the hassle. They just won't. Right. I mean, I kind of, it's, it seems pleasurable in a way just to be like, I'll just listen to something when I, it strikes me or I get a link as a, I, I have so many podcasts in my podcast app. Um, I mean, I love kind of pouring through them and picking what I'm going to listen to, but I can imagine some people just find that burdensome, but I, that's interesting that you, you've had the similar experience. So that's cool. Okay, cool. I didn't know if it was just us or what. This is um, like about twenty percent of our yeah, yeah. people it's a lot. are. Or, mm-hmm. yeah. yep. Well, no, it's a ratio. Oh gosh, see, I'm hitting a math wall. But yeah, there's a number yep. of people who um yeah. <laughs> who uh, who listen online. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, oh, so we, uh, dear listeners, we would like to send you an opposable thumbs sticker in in trade for one thing, which is sharing a podcast episode that you like on social media or, or through some other means sharing it via email or whatever, um, or rating us on iTunes or sending smoke signals to your friend about the podcast or some other cool thing just to let people know about the podcast. Um, Eric and Kelly probably have more experience than, than we do on this by, by a lot. But, um, I think for me anyway, like I don't really, care that much about itunes ratings but like i think it would it's more interesting and probably more appropriate for a podcast like this to like this sort of rhizomic growth of people just sharing it because they think it's cool is much more interesting to me and seems like a cooler way to get to know about something other than like stars in the itunes app or something yeah, like definitely. that so yeah so so um we would like to send you a sticker for doing that work for us um uh, we do a lot to try to promote the show but um, you actually are a much better way to get the word out about the show. And if you like it, it'd be great um, if you let someone know about it. Um, so just let us know that you did share it and give us your address and we'll drop you a sticker in the mail. Um, there are very cool, the stickers are, are very cool logo created by the artist Wolf Mask. Um, and you can check out his work at wolfmaskart.co.uk. Um, we'd like to give Nick a shout out as our top Patreon supporter. Thanks, Nick. Um, if you'd like to join Nick in the league of Patreon supporter badasses, please go to patreon.com slash opposable thumbs to sponsor us. We have three sponsorship tiers there. You can check out, um, some of them are very, very inexpensive. If you have a small independent minority owned woman owned business, 
uh, and you would like to sponsor an episode, we will be happy to talk about your thing and uh, in exchange for money. <laughs> and uh, uh, we can figure that out uh, online or whatever, but it would be cheap. Um, so just give us a yell at opposablepodcast at gmail.com uh, and we'd be happy to let you sponsor one of our shows. Um, we do have a code of conduct on the podcast. Um, we're dedicated to providing a harassment-free experience for everyone, regardless of race, gender, age, sexual orientation, disability, physical appearance, body size, knowledge of subject matter, or religion, or lack thereof. We actively support an inclusive environment, and we want you to be part of it. And thanks for coming along on the ride with us so far. Um, thanks for listening to Opposable Thumbs. Uh, we're psyched to have you on board. We we Eric and Kelly can probably attest to this too. Like we don't often hear from listeners, even though like I, I see the listener number and I'm like, Oh, that's cool. That's kind of a lot of people. And occasionally someone will give us a shout, but I think it's just easy to not do that. Or it feels weird. Maybe if you're listening to do it. And I think it would just be cool to hear from people out in the world who, who are listening to the podcast and think it's neat and are doing cool stuff. So Please let us know that you exist. It, I would be personally happy to to hear that or, or see see what you're up to or hear from you. So um, anyway, that's it. Uh, a huge thanks to Eric and Kelly. Um, do I'm sure y'all have many interesting things that you're up to, and uh, if you have any that you want to share, or websites that you're doing, or or book stuff, or whatever, uh, uh, let us know. Please tell us what you're what you're doing. Well, thanks, Robin Taylor. Uh, pretty much people can just go to the blog, rootsimple.com, and they'll find everything there. So thank yep. you. The blog, the podcast, and future projects. I do have a – there's a guy named uh, Stanley Ginsberg. I'm hoping to get to do a rye bread class in the fall, and that will be announced on the blog. So he's an amazing baker and rye expert. That's the next event coming up. But yeah, That's high-level bread geekery there. High-level bread geekery. Rye is like the unicorn of – Bread. Oh, yes. nice. so that's that's coming up. But then uh, you'll find out about it on rootsimple.com. So. Nice. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Well, thank you yeah. so much thank for having so us.